everyone. So I have a special episode today and uh, the next two episodes actually will be on narcolepsy. Why narcolepsy? Well, this has to do with the people you meet, right? Uh, and I have met people with narcolepsy and I really, I really believe that it is one of those sleep disorders that not too many people know about and they have many misconceptions about it. And so they'll be having runners at the Boston Marathon. Last year it was Julie Lambert who is actually the president of Somnolence Canada Foundation which held Snooze Fest. So it is our foundation, right? And um, this year, for Canada, we have another person whose name is also Julie, and I'll be interviewing her to find out why it is that she's running the Boston Marathon for Wake Up Narcolepsy. And uh, before we get into that, though, I really would like to just define what narcolepsy is. It's a sleep disorder in which people experience excessive daytime sleepiness. So when there is an issue with how the brain regulates when you sleep and when you stay awake. So these two functions sort of uh, become very difficult to regulate. It is also related to REM sleep and the structure of sleep stages. So when people experience narcolepsy, REM actually begins to occur much earlier. Also, narcolepsy can be accompanied by cataplexy. So when a person experiences cataplexy, it's almost like they, they lose control over their bodies, right? So they experience a loss of muscle tone and con muscle control and weakness usually this happens when they when a person experiences strong emotion like joy like excitement fear anger stress P different people have different triggers however strong emotion seems to be the common denominator so you can have narcolepsy and you can have narcolepsy with cataplexy. So today we're going to feature as our special guest Julie Meltzer who will be running for Wake Up Narcolepsy and for narcolepsy research. Let's segue into that interview now. Hi everyone, thanks for joining in. Today I have a special guest. Her name is Julie Meltzer, and she's going to be running for Wake Up Narcolepsy at the Boston Marathon. So this is to raise awareness for narcolepsy as well as to raise funds for narcolepsy research. And Wake Up Narcolepsy is an organization close to my heart and close to our hearts here just because of the fact that of what they're doing for the awareness of this sleep disorder. And um, one of the most important things that, that we felt we needed to do, especially in terms of Snooze Fest that we talked to you about last year, was to bring awareness 
to sleep disorders because a lot of people aren't aware that they may even have one until many years later after sometimes even 20 years of of misdiagnosis, right? I, I know someone to whom that's happened. Uh, thankfully, with, uh, with some of the awareness that's being done by groups like Wake Up Narcolepsy, it's now down to, I think on average around 10 years, something like that, which is still long, mind you. So, so yes, so this is our, we're doing our part here so to, to help Wake Up Narcolepsy. And welcome, Julie, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Great. So uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure, no problem. So um, I started running in 2003. Um, it was a fair weather approach at first, um, but then running became an integral part of my life in 2007. Um, I've since run eight marathons, a bunch of half marathons, 10Ks and 5Ks. I'm working on running the six world major marathons. I just have Boston and Tokyo left. Um, when I'm not running, I work as a professional organizer. So that keeps me active and on my feet. I've been married to my husband Mir for almost 11 years. We have three spoiled cats, no kids. And we live in an area of Toronto with lots of green space and Lake Ontario is just down the street. Oh, really nice, actually. Yeah. I. Um... I've gone to, like, I've lived in Toronto for two and a half years, yes. um, although I'm in Montreal right now, which is where I was pretty much raised, right? But I, I have tons of family in Toronto. I lived there for two and a half years, way, way back. But um, if I'm thinking about the area that I'm thinking about, it, given that I know Toronto, that's a nice area. Anywhere on the lake is nice. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's a beautiful neighborhood. And honestly, you couldn't ask for more um, perfect running conditions pretty much all year round. So it's good. Yeah. So well, when I was in Toronto back in the day, I, what I would love to do is go around the beaches and I would um, rollerblade. And that's like, <laughs> <laughs> no one does that anymore. Does anyone rollerblade? I think you know? you know, there's a few people occasionally rollerblading, but most people are cycling or running. Right. Yes, very few. It's, sort of, it's so interesting how everyone was doing that, and then it just sort of fizzled out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I never got into it too much. I'm not coordinated enough. That's why running is perfect for me because it's a, you know, it's a relatively low impact, low speed sport, and it's solitary. So I'm only taking myself out if I do something wrong. So that's why I don't exactly. play. Sports. <laughs> Yes, um, I, uh, I I understand, uh, you know, in terms of running, because I enjoyed running myself too, although I've never run a marathon. Um, so in terms of just, uh, I'll get, I'll ask you questions about how you're going to be preparing in a bit, but in terms of how you became involved with Wake Up Narcolepsy, how did you become involved in this initiative? Uh, yes, so um, I was introduced, in, uh, introduced to Gordon Gao of Wake Up Narcolepsy a few years ago. Um, my husband and I spent a few hours with Gordon as he explained everything there is to know about narcolepsy. He told us about his grandson's personal experiences, which really helped to put the disorder in perspective for people like us who don't have it. Um, and if you've ever had the pleasure of meeting Gordon, you know that he is hard to forget and you can't say no to him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, he's one of our advisors and he is he is amazing actually as a person, just, just great. And you're right, 
it's hard to say no to him. In yeah. fact, that's how yeah. we're talking today, right? <laughs> no, no, there was basically no chance that I could say no. So it did when, uh, so when the opportunity came around in January, um, I thought that this would be a perfect opportunity to put together my love of running and my desire to help people like Gordon's grandson. Um, so I know that many people with narcolepsy experience feelings of isolation, depression, and anxiety. And it's been proven that running is a mental health booster, which is why running and marathon to raise money and awareness is the least that I could do because I don't have any people in my life with narcolepsy, but it just seemed like an absolute, you know, perfect combination. So, and can't say no to Gordon. So here I am. Exactly. Um, and oh, uh, in terms of Thomas, I suppose we should give a little bit of a background to our listeners. Wake Up Narcolepsy was started by Gordon's daughter. And um, one of the founders was Gordon's daughter because of Thomas. Thomas is Gordon's grandson. Mm -hmm. And he was diagnosed with narcolepsy at a very young age. And um, so their family began the foundation and they've raised over like a million dollars in research. Yeah, and that's just solely based on, you know, their their drive to to find, um, you know, help for, for Thomas and people like Thomas. And the stories that Gordon um, shared with us about Thomas's experience in university, um, you know, taking a test is just, you know, it's, it's nothing for people who, who have no sleep disorders. But if you are told that you need to take a test, um, like a final exam at a certain time at a certain date, that's not always going to work for somebody with narcolepsy. So, and then in order to be accommodated, some universities are not accommodating. And some of the medication that people with narcolepsy take is strictly prohibited by certain universities. So it was, it was just, it was heart-wrenching to know that, you know, these young people are, are trying to be, you know, adults and, and living their lives. And they're just, there's, there's always barriers. So, and I think it's something that people take for granted is just being able to have a good night's sleep without any, you know, interruptions. It's, it's, it's a pretty basic human function and a lot of people, and people with narcolepsy just don't have that. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm actually a little shocked that some universities don't provide um, accommodation just because I actually, so, so one of the things that I, that I had done in the past while I was at Simon Fraser University was work with the uh, Center for Students with Disabilities. I remember that one time there was, there was a student who had narcolepsy and um, we had to accommodate him and we would have a mattress in the actual exam room. So they have their own room where, you know, um, they can they can write their exams. And so if he needed a nap, we he would, you know, let us know. And mm -hmm. then we would write down the time when his mm -hmm. when he began his nap and when he would wake up, then we would, you know, start start counting yeah. mm -hmm. again you know and so I think yes it's it's more it's a different way of running a test but it's fair and I think you know definitely this is why I want to share with people about narcolepsy because of issues like this you know and this to me is 
a little disheartening actually because there are people out there who have narcolepsy and you know we spend so much on our education you would figure that we'd be supported through it yes. especially knowing that an accommodation could be as simple as what I've mentioned right mm -hmm. yeah. so yes so definitely not only research, but awareness for sure that, you know, and um, even in my own, um, in the few weeks that I've been fundraising, um, I've had people, you know, say things like, you know, oh, I thought that was the other thing where you were like, you know, into dead people. And I'm like, that's not at all what narcolepsy is. <laughs> and there's just such an uh, like a lack of awareness about what narcolepsy is and and every and I've had other people you know say to me um I, I just I just have troubles I can't sleep maybe I have narcolepsy and I'm like I'm not a researcher I'm not a scientist but I it's it's not I don't think it's the same thing it's actually the opposite where you know you can't control when and how you fall asleep versus not being able to sleep night so there's so much information misinformation and just lack of awareness about narcolepsy um that it, you know it's honestly my pleasure to um you know to point people in the right direction um of wakeupnarcolepsy.org and you know and the work that being is being done at sleep disorder clinic at sick kids and and yourself the you know the sleep environment organization you 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 work with so just anything that can get uh news out is good by me Yes, thank you so much for, for doing that. And uh, in terms of your goals for the run, do you have personal goals for the Boston Marathon? So my goal is uh, just to have fun with it. Um, so my husband has run Boston 10 times. So I've heard um, so many firsthand stories about the race from hanging out in Athletes Village before the start to the Wellesley College Scream Tunnel to iconic Heartbreak Hill. And the best part, um, right on Hereford, left on Boylston. Um, I just plan on taking a bunch of pictures, high-fiving every outstretched hand and just enjoying every step of the way because this will as far as I know, will probably be the only time I'm ever there. So I just want to enjoy every single inch of that course and, and every minute of that day. Uh, yes, I know. Maybe it won't be. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll be doing it again next year. Do you think? And, you know, Anna, honestly, as I was just saying that to you, I was just thinking to myself, you know, if, if they, you know, if, if, if it works out and, you know, they want me back next year, never say never, because, you know, who can, like my, like I said, my, my husband's run it 10 times. You just, you can't say no to Gordon and you can't say no to Boston. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> exactly. All right. And um, I wanted to know in terms of your preparation, how are you preparing for the run? Oh, yeah. So I found out rather late um, that I would be running on April 18th. Um, so I hired a coach to give me a condensed training plan. Um, so what is usually a three to four month training cycle has been turned into 10 weeks. Um, so my coach has gradually increased my long run so that I don't get injured, fingers crossed. Um, I run three to four times a week. I do some strength training and the occasional, uh, occasional yoga class mobility. Um, so, but winter in Toronto has not been great this year. So I've been on my treadmill more than I would have liked for my long runs, but the alternative was to run outside when it was icy or extreme cold weather. 
Um, but for the most part, I run outside in all types of weather. So if Boston experiences a cool front on race day, I will be absolutely prepared. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I think if you can run in Toronto, you can run in Boston in under a cold snap. I think you should be fine in April. Cross yeah, I've, I've been there. So he, I've spectated nine times and I have seen heat stroke and I've seen hypothermia. So you just never know what you're going to get on race day. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that my ideal temperatures come through, but you, you just never know. So I'm I'm uh, preparing for the worst, hoping for the best. We'll see what we get. Right. Oh, so for anyone else out there who's running a marathon mm -hmm. or would like to run a marathon, do you have any tips, especially, you know, I mean, we hear about people running marathons and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, the, you know, the, I think of the Olympics. We just had Beijing, mm -hmm. uh, not Beijing. We had um, Tokyo in the summer and I'm watching these people run the marathons and I'm thinking, how do they prepare? Do I have to be at that level of fitness to run one? But then, you know, you hear about your neighbor or you near hear about someone else and they're running marathons. And I'm just wondering, like, to what level of fitness do you need to be to run one? Yeah, so I mean, it, it really all depends on your, um, on your goals. If you, uh, like me, just want to go out and have fun, then, you know, there are couch to marathon training cycle, training plans out there for you where, you know, you do the, the bare minimum and it'll get you there to the start line and it'll get you across the finish line. It will not be pleasant, but, you know, you can do it. Um, and then if you're a little more, you know, invested and a little more competitive, then you could, you know, hire a coach or you could, you know, basically go online and get a training schedule and, and, and follow that. Um, there's so many ways um, and, and now, obviously, you know, with, uh, with the internet at our fingertips, there's so many different, there's, there's podcasts and there's, you know, social media influences to follow. And there's just so many people that you can get information from, which is, which is really helpful rather than, you know, even though you may not be, you know, running with the person who's coaching you, but they can be in your, in your ears, they can virtually, you know, direct you and all that kind of stuff. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I definitely don't think that anybody ever has to be a, like an, um, a hardcore athlete to run a marathon. I certainly wasn't for my first one. It was more just out of, you know, honestly, one of those kind of, you know, if everyone else is doing it, I'll do it too kind of things. <laughs> so yeah, my friends were doing it. And I'm like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And, you know, and there was a few years gap in between certain marathons. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where um, if you have an interest in it, then you probably will do it where I've met people who who are very much like, I can't even drive 42 kilometers, right? That's just too long. So then, then it's not for you. And I would never push anybody to doing this if they didn't want to do it. Um, yeah, honestly, it's, it's just one of those where everybody literally can do it. If you are, you know, if you have an interest and you're physically capable of doing it, then, then you can do it. You know, just do it, you know, reminds me of that, that Nike slogan, but it, it's true, you know, I mean, if you have an interest in something, you will find a way, and you hired a coach to help you, what would be, what tips did 
that coach give you and how often do you, you said you run three times a, three times a week. How long do you run for? Um, so I already had a routine going for years. So I run um, with different um, friend groups throughout the week. So I told my coach in advance, these are the days that I run. This is how long I run for. And she basically worked all of that into my schedules, which was very lovely because, you know, I, I also told her that my goal was, you know, just to have fun and just to cross the finish line. So don't make it like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to win. <laughs> I just want to enjoy it. So she, she was very accommodating for me. Um, so I run, I run like a fun run or like an easy run two days one day is a workout where she tells me what to do, which is, you know, I either I run up hills or I run like, you know, tempo runs or I do a combination of hills and tempo together. Those are the, like the hard days. And then there's always a long run involved. Um, anybody who's ever run any kind of race knows that you have to run um, at least one day of the week for a longer distance. And it's a long, slow run. Um, yeah. So she, you know, I, I didn't know what a safe um, training cycle would have been for me, even though I had just completed a virtual marathon in October. So I had some base. I didn't know what would be, you know, the smart thing to do. So I, that's why I reached out and hired a coach. So, and also, so I could be responsible to somebody and accountable to somebody because I know that if I didn't pay somebody to tell me what to do, I wouldn't do anything that's just the kind of person I am. So when she tells me to run these, you know, these hard workouts on Thursday, then I know I have to be responsible and run these workouts on Thursday because she will see that I don't. And then she will, you know, hold me accountable for that. So, um, yeah, I think anybody can just, you know, just again, it's a quick Google search, but this, uh, this particular coach, she's actually a chiropractor who I saw, last summer when I was training for the virtual marathon. So, you know, she, she knows me and she knows my temperament and she knows my body issues. So it was just, again, a no brainer that, you know, I, I hired her to, to be my coach and, you know, she checks in with me once or twice a week. She sets my, she sets my schedule and yeah, and, and it's, it's good. That's great. That's great. I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, you know, I'm going to segue here into sleep wellness and yes. sleep health because we do provide coaching services in terms of uh, our company. And it's interesting because one of our business partners is a chiropractor. Another person um, who does snooze fest with us is also a chiropractor slash nutritionist. Okay. And now he's begun his PhD actually. So that's, re it's really interesting. I know, right. where did these people find the time? Um, right <laughs> so so uh what i would say is you know this is awesome news you know that you found somebody to actually help you with that and train especially given the uh shortened time uh in terms of sleep i'm just curious do, have you ever thought about sleep wellness ah so um honestly until recently i was blessed with the ability to fall asleep within seconds of going to bed and staying asleep all night. Um, yeah, just, I was, there's no other word for it than blessed. Um, but 
with the onset of perimenopause, that has all changed. <laughs> so I now go to bed later than I used to simply because I'm just no longer tired at bedtime. I wake up several times throughout the night, either because a cat is hogging my side of the bed or I just randomly wake up like I did last night for no good reason, open my eyes, and the first thought I had was, I am wide awake and I don't know why. And then, but thankfully I closed my eyes and I went back to bed. So, and also for training purposes, I really cut back on my alcohol intake. So what used to be a glass of wine once or twice a week is now once or twice a month. But sadly that has not affected my sleeping. It's just, I still can't fall asleep sometimes. Um, and for those nights where I just can't fall asleep, I listen to a bedtime story app. <laughs> I usually does the trick. <laughs> Listening to people tell me bedtime stories. Um, I have yet to master the art of reducing screen time before bed. I am a work in progress. So great. Well, you know, I mean, so it's funny how you mentioned that because you've touched upon so many points that I want to talk to people about in this podcast in the future and you know a couple of things like in terms of perimenopause this is the time of our lives when, as women where we start to experience more sleep issues okay let me qualify that when you are a young mother people complain about sleep right not the same because that's a sleep you you might be fine in terms of uh, in terms of your own sleep but your sleep is, is disrupted because you have a baby Yes. In as we're going through perimenopause, there are things going on internally, plus there are external factors that we're going through. Uh, well, for right now, there's the whole pandemic, there's Ukraine, there's all of these things going on just in general life. And mm -hmm. it's hitting us at a point in time where we're transitioning in, mm -hmm. and we have hormonal changes, which then influence sleep. So in that case, this is when women experience a lot of issues with or without the pandemic, add the pandemic on top of it, and all of these other issues that we experience. And then, you know, imagine the amount of disruption. So the thing is, a lot of people begin, they begin experiencing insomnia. Some people even start uh, developing sleep apnea once they reach menopause and you know usually we, we associate sleep apnea with people who are um, male you know they're men and uh, you know maybe on a little bit on the heavier side but that's not actually the case there are very thin people very fit people and there are women who have sleep apnea it has it may it may have something to do with your anatomy or it may have some something to do with your brain so just like with narcolepsy where we talk about narcolepsy and how it manifests itself and I'll be getting into that because I will be interviewing Thomas everyone so I'll be interviewing Thomas who is the whole reason why wake up narcolepsy exists um stay tuned for that but in terms of sleep apnea this is something that a lot of people experience and again isn't diagnosed and so many people are having insomnia now because of the pandemic and we have the, the numbers for it. So here are some tips for good sleep. First thing, remember to have a sleep schedule. 
So just as everyone, you know, as Julie's having her running schedule, remember that a sleep schedule is important. And also good sleep starts during the day, right? So how stressed you are during the day will then impact your sleep at night. So one of the things you might want to do is, you know, give yourself time to relax and to uh, practices like body scans, which is a a body scan, which is a mindfulness technique. There's progressive muscle relaxation, which I'll be talking about. There's also, you know, there are so many things. You could go for a walk. You could go in, uh, you know, working out is great for you in terms of sleep, as long as it's not too close to the time you fall asleep at night. Although for some people, for some people, it doesn't really matter to tell you the truth, but there are others who are sensitive to it. I used to be one of those people where I could work out and then hit the sheets 20 minutes later and be in bed and be sleeping, but not anymore. <laughs> right. right. And then, you know, okay. So a special note about alcohol, which I used to do also, you know, because I, you know, when I was having difficulty sleeping, I'm like, Oh, let me have a glass of wine. And this was before I became, you know, before I got into sleep and knew better, but it, while it helps me fall asleep faster. Yes it actually leads to fragmented sleep. So the next day you, you feel sort of out of sorts, right? And that's because of what the alcohol is doing to your body and to your sleep. So these are just some tips that I want to share with all of you out there who are listening. Sleep, health, and wellness is important. It's important to work out. It's important to eat well. And it's also important to sleep well. And if you want to know more about narcolepsy, please do listen to my next interview with Thomas so he can give you really an insider's perspective of what it's like to live with it. And um, hopefully by doing this for anyone out there who may be experiencing these symptoms and not even know it, you'll be able to find someone who can help you sooner rather than later. And in terms of your run, how can we support you? How, do you have a link? Do you, where can we? Yeah, so we I'll donate? try to like articulate this as best I can without having a computer in front of me. So um, I would definitely never say no to a donation. So um, head on over to wakeupnarcolepsy.org. Um, from there, navigate to the fundraiser header hover over into you see the Boston Marathon 2022 runners. Click on that and scroll into you see me and the other three team members. And also feel free to share my link with others. And for anybody who wants to follow me on race day, there will be an app and or at least definitely the website. My uh, race day bid number is 26091. So uh, I will be more than happy to take your well wishes. Um, and, you know, at least just put them out there into the, into the atmosphere. That's good enough for me. <laughs> Great. So everyone take that information down. Uh, will you send, I can find this information, um, the link online, right? So I could also uh, well, I can send you the link and then you can do whatever you like with it. <laughs> perfect. So, you know what, I'm going to put the link, um, you know, whoever's listening to this under the description for this webs. um, under the description for this podcast, just click on the link that Julie will send me and then you can definitely support her. Please do. 
Yes, I'm, I'm almost 90% uh, of my goal, which is great, fabulous. Um, but, you know, honestly, I'm, um, I don't want to just meet my goal. Um, I want to do, you know, wake up narcolepsy and Gordon and Thomas and Monica and everybody else proud. And I want to raise more money because money is just means research to find, you know, help for people who have the disorder. So it, it like it's it's not something that you're giving me the money personally you're you're helping so many more people and if i didn't agree to be a fundraiser or to to run this for charity then that would be less money for the charity overall so you know it's again it was just like a no-brainer perfect combination for me to do all these things so it's the least i could do great really happy to have you here with us julie and we wish you the best boston marathon run mm -hmm. and um again everyone please do support julie help her go over and above her goal and uh yes until next time everyone sleep well take care bye <laughs>